1: of We Are Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for Tuesday or Wednesday or Friday or Saturday or Thursday, but never Monday, because after all, it's your podcast. Joining me today is—you'll um you'll always find him in kitchen at parties, Um because he's just by himself. But not always by himself; <laughs> just sometimes by himself. He's, you know, he—he he may have a head in the clouds, but sometimes he's got, you know, he's got a feet in the ground. Um, You know, he's, if he was a dinosaur, he'd be a cross between maybe a panda and a tyrannosaurus He might be a pandasaurus, who knows Um, uh, he's not an old man People might say he's a new man It's Daniel Newman
0: <laughs> That has to be the best introduction I've ever had Thank you very. You're
1: very, very welcome, Daniel Thank you very, very much for <laughs> coming on the show <laughs> Eventually <laughs> Eventually Eventually, it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. Um, how you doing? You I remembered.
0: Well? I re- eventually remembered. I'm good, man. How are you doing?
1: I'm. Yeah, I'm a good. You know, I'm a nine point two. Oh,
0: that's that's good. It is.
1: You know, that's a dist.
0: I'm like an eight eight four. I think probably it, just a yeah, little. If,
1: yeah, Eighty four If you were doing a degree, that'd be a pass with distinction. That would probably get you a good. That would probably get yeah, you a good.
0: That's about where I'm at. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. that's good. You no, know, that's where we. That's where we like to be. You know,
0: all right. That's where we
1: like to be. Um, we're here to talk about. It's kind of weird because we're in this situation where normally when people come on the show, and thank you everybody for coming. And you know, um, and the green room is here. And yes, we have brought in some gluten free biscuits because we did the Kickstarter and it funded a whole pile of gluten free biscuits, so we've <laughs> them everywhere. Um.
0: Weird stretch goal, but I mean it was it wound up being really popular I, so.
1: Yeah, it's just, you know, I, I don't know I mean people are contacting me all the time just to help them with their, their Kickstarters And also various allergies as well But for people who are joining us for the first time <laughs> The reason that we do this is because Well, we're kind of past 250 episodes and it would be rude to stop back, <laughs> Quebec. 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 <laughs> right, bye.
0: You've got expectant audience. They, they want I more from you. Don't you can't I don't, wouldn't, I wouldn't
1: entirely go as far as, I think there's people that put up with me um, <laughs> a lot
0: of the time. At least, at least like three or four at least loyal listeners, three or right? five.
1: Five. Oh, well, yeah, you're doing great. Well, no, it's because I get my kids to download the show. Otherwise, to go to the room, oh. it's kind of like a punishment thing. It's not, it's not very good, and it's not very nice. But it's just one of these things that happens. And the other reason that we do this is because whether or not Daniel remembered it or not, we had a conversation. <laughs> the conversation, <laughs> I am going to bring this up. Um, we had that's a conversation. It's fair. fair and it's true. Um, we had a conversation a while ago um, about kind of Dead Man's Cabal that was coming on um, Kickstarter. Um, through Pandasaurus And Pandasaurus are one of my um, Favourite publishers um, Because I've had John Gilmore on A couple of times you know uh, Wasteland Express and Obviously oh, yeah. Dinosaur Island So you know when When you get somebody connected with Pandasaurus Games and there's a chance You want to have a chat with them then You, know, you obviously you know you're going kind to of say yes You know it's, it's, it's just one of these things Um But it's interesting because Dead Man's Cabal has finished and it's funded But that's not the end of the story Because there's quite a lot more we can kind of talk about But what we do want to find out is A little bit about your history With regards to the pressed and printed trees So we're going to have a I guess we're going to have a look back At the um, the undead of the past Before we stare at the party (laughs) of the present and look off into the cleaning up the living room of the future. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the hobby in the first place, Daniel?
0: Sure, yeah. Uh, So I started designing games uh, with my wife, actually, because we had at that point, oh, like a a five-year-old, I guess. Uh, And we had kind of fallen into a rut of... uh, The only time we spent together was like in front of the TV, right? as soon as the kid goes to bed we're just tired and that's all we were doing and occasionally we'd have people over to play games but it was you know it's not that often and uh i got the bright idea that maybe we should try designing a game together because we had been playing them Mm -hmm. uh, together for a few years um is that did you do that during
1: your courtship then i mean when you were courtship how british of me my courtship. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you said and you came over and there was Papa just sitting there and he said, Do You want to take out my daughter, then you better be making a good thing of her. I want her back at nine o'clock at night. But when you were doing the whole dating thing, was yep. that part of your dating thing? Was it kinda like let's you know, you know, get together, let's, you know, get the cardboard out and let's have a little bit of fun kind of thing? Was it part of
0: So it's funny, um we didn't really date so much as we just kind of decided we would we were together. <laughs> after it. we saw it was very strange we we went out on like two dates and we're like it, we're we're good and we're like yeah we're good and then we moved in together a couple months after like it was really wow. odd uh but like no i always had so this was this would have been we got together in 1999 99 98 wow 98 yeah. i don't know 99 no somewhere in there it's been like 20 years that we've been together uh and it was before i had discovered any you know german games uh, what we call them euros now, I guess. Um, but you know, and I had like Star Wars Monopoly. Like that's that's what I kept around. And we actually in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer board game. Mm. I remember playing that with her oh, when we were first in, when we were in college. Uh, and we had this whole like lore about Star Wars Monopoly that whoever played somebody closer to the dark side mm-hmm. w- would always win. Like the game was just somehow weighted mystically towards uh the, so like if it was darth vader and boba fett darth vader would win and if it was luke or han han would win it was very strange it was it never failed that's just uh, so we played a lot of of those like kind of weird mass market games. yeah and then and then once i discovered uh settlers Gaton in like 2002 2003 uh we just we, we played a lot of that we've been together for a while at that point uh I guess like five years. Yeah. Um, so that was something that we would do together. And I actually, when I first moved to New York, um, we were in Chicago, I moved to New York and I didn't know anybody here. And I just started a, a, a game group off of Craigslist. And I was like, okay. hey, I have Settlers Catan. If anybody wants to come over and play it. <laughs> legit like that's this was like 2002 2003 and that's how i made my first friends in the city was it still like a big big
1: thing then i mean was Catan?
0: is Catan? no i mean
1: did people kind of go i know that or did they go well what do you mean is it kind of like like monopoly or you know
0: it was it so these were people who knew the game like it was a posting on craigslist like i want to play this game and if they didn't know the game they wouldn't respond um, I think we had a couple of people who were like, well, that sounds interesting. And they showed up and then they got into it. And then I, I met one friend who would just bring over, he had a collection of games. Yeah. Like he'd been into it for a while. Um, he had actually programmed some online web portal for playing games online. I oh, forget what it's called now. Okay. Spiel, Spiel by web, I think, or something like yeah. that. So he was, he was very involved in the scene at the time. Uh, and so he would just bring over games and he introduced me to like Puerto Rico and power grid and like all sorts of stuff.
1: Did anyone uh, kind of just come round so, and then just start taking their clothes off thinking it was some kind of weird sex thing? Did luckily,
0: you? no. Uh, <laughs> no. I was nervous about that. <laughs> people, there's random st- New York strangers just showing it. But usually if you start with, we're playing board games, that kind of weeds out most of the the wrong weirdos. It just brings in the good weirdos. <laughs> I just wonder. Uh, I just so wonder yeah, how so- you're going to phrase that.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Please make sure you keep your clothes on we're really just playing games so it just went on for like a year i Uh I had developed a group and we would have enough people that we could split up into two or three groups and play three Uh or four player games uh uh, which was awesome and then because it's new york people just leave like people just move away from the city after a while like it's really hard to maintain friendships over a long time because people just move away right so it kind of petered out everybody just kind of disappeared at the same time uh and then we've made friends here and there, you know, other couples that we've convinced to play games with us and stuff. Um, but back back to the my origins of game design. So so we've been playing games together for a while, and, and uh, I thought it'd be fun as a creative exercise to, you know, take what we've learned from playing games and actually create one of our own. Mm-hmm. And I started taking it to a local game meetup, uh, and then I found out through that that there was a game design meetup that met at the same place, like on the weekend. So I took it to that, and I met uh, a couple of uh, people that I'm I'm still in touch with now. Gil Hova. Oh yeah, no. We good. do a little name dropping now. We do some name dropping, right? So Uh, Gil Hova, uh breaking the board games was his. Yeah, that's uh, it. Yeah, he was on that. He's no longer there. He's now on Ludology.
1: Oh right. Yeah, okay.
0: Uh, yeah. So so I met Gil there and um, uh, Emerson Matsuchi. Oh yeah. Okay. Who, who did um, you know? Century Spice yeah, Road. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, Spectre Ops and all sorts of stuff. Uh, and that became... So it started out with my wife and I designing and then I would go and play test it and then I would come back and we would talk about it. And eventually like it just became obvious that it was becoming more my thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And my enthusiasm for it was just much greater. Uh, so it, it just it kind of took off from there and then all of a sudden I was designing two or three games at a time and submitting to the Cardboard Edison Award, which I was a finalist and then uh, submitted something to Buttonshy after after talking to him about what he was looking for, because he was he was pivoting from doing these kind of simple eighteen card games, he wanted to do something more with the format. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was I was eager to work with him because I had met him at a, at a convention, and, and he seemed like a cool dude, and I liked what he was doing. Um, so I was like, well, "What are you looking for?" He's like, "I'd really love to do an eighteen card like tight euro." I was like, "That seems insane." Uh, but I actually have this design that. I think I could convert from this, like, whoop, from this giant, like, tile laying, you know, worker placement kind of thing, and I, I think I can make it like eighteen cards. And I figured it out, and I pitched it to him, and he he rolled with it. So okay, that was my first published game. What game I, was that? That was Ahead in the Clouds.
1: So how, I mean, what was the reset? I mean, was it was it strange to go from kind of like just having ideas to actually having something kind of fully published? Because I know a lot of people that. They've ideas, and they've got notepads, and they've got post-it notes, and some of them have even gotten as far as kind of prototypes. But to take it to kind of like that extra, extra step. I mean, do you when you get into the design thing, is it a is it a completely different section in the community that you kind of get involved in? Do you step away? Oh, do you step away from kind of like the player thing? Because I always I kind of view the kind of the whole board game community as like a kind of a series of a series of rooms that connect to each other, and you're kind of aware of the different rooms, but it's only when you get into that particular room that you realise kind of what is involved. You know, it's it's like you know, as somebody who, um, you know, with me recording the podcast, I am aware of everybody that's kind of involved in my space, but as a you know, when I first got started into it, I wasn't aware of all of the podcasts that were kind of going on. You know, like oh, you know what I mean. And I'm wondering with the designer kind of thing, if you're only really become aware of everybody who's involved in their space and how they interact with each other and how, you know, communicating with one person allows you to communicate with a different person and gets kind of help and who moves in whose circles and who speaks to each other and works with each other and things like that as well. And is that, I mean is that yeah. is that how you kind of found it kind of work that just getting in with like Button Shy, it opened up the opportunities that were available to you?
0: Absolutely, yeah. No, I mean, publishers pay a lot more attention once you've got a credit, right? Once they know that you've gone through the process and you're not, mm-hmm. a, you know, kind of a, a pain in the ass to work with. If somebody <laughs> can vouch for you, you know, you've, you've got something on your resume. It's easier to get a job. Yeah,
1: right? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: so that and the being a cardboard Edison finalist, I think, also kind of helped because that that got me in front of some publishers and and opened some doors for me in terms of just people knowing my name and then. Once I discovered uh, the board game community on Twitter, that was that was huge. It was really a combination of of that, and then starting to go to conventions. Uh, and now I just feel like I know everybody in the in the industry at this point, at least on the, the kind of the East Coast or the you know the folks that go to Origins and and BGG and stuff.
1: So, I mean, with did you decide right? Okay, I'm going to move up now. Now I've got the game published. Now I've got a head in the clouds, kind of going. Was it the case of, yeah. well, what can I do next? Did you already have with you working, you know, closely with your wife, did you already or did you already have like a couple of things that you could do that you were ready to pitch your next level? I mean, from you as a designer, do you have like kind of fifteen or twenty different projects working alongside each other? Or are you the type of person that you take a project at a time and you work it until it's in the ground and you can decide whether you're going to continue with it or ditch it.
0: So it's, it's changed actually. So when I first started, I was working on three to five games at a time because I just had all these ideas and I, you know, once I realized I could do it and it's something that I was decent at, I, I had all these ideas and I wanted to get them out and I just, you know. I would work on three or four or five at a time. Now it's really one at a time, and I focus. And I'm I'm also in a situation where I can play test twice a week with a pretty dedicated group, mm-hmm. uh, and I iterate after every design. So I can spend four months on a game, and it'll be it'll be pretty close to done if I'm doing my job mm-hmm. right. Um, so and that feels better to me to just kind of like just kind of focus on the one and really get it polished, and then and then go pitch it. Uh, and I and I know better now who the right people to pitch are for the games that I'm designing. Um, Cause that's super important is, is finding the right publishers who kind of get what it is you're doing. Um, and for the kind of games I make, they're kind of these quirky themes on, on somewhat, you know, it's not standard Euro mechanics, but definitely like Euro based yeah. gameplay. Like there's only a couple of publishers that are even, are even worth me talking to uh, that are interested in those kinds of games. Um, at least in the States, I, I, there are a couple of publishers in in uh, Europe that I I need to get to know better, um, and I've started pitching to them, but it's hard because I haven't met them in person. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a little trickier. Like I've I've developed kind of Twitter relationships <laughs> with them, and and you know, they're always like, oh, please send me you know everything you're doing, but it's different when you actually can meet with them and show them in person.
1: Yeah, I guess you can show kind of what you're working and what your ideas are, and it's easier to give kind of direct feedback as well on the kind of the face to face thing, and also. Not being funny, but sometimes you might meet somebody after a kind of a Twitter conversation and kind of realize mm-hmm. you're maybe not the right person to be working with.
0: Sure. You know, you do kind of Personality get. Personality is, know, is yeah, huge. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Especially if you get a clash or I mean sometimes yep. it's like you'll meet somebody and be like, Wow, this is this is gonna go excellently and other times you'll be like, Um, I am I gonna be maybe struggling with this? Are we not kinda of maybe seeing everything exactly kinda of like the same way? And I'm sure it's kind of any type right. of cri- creative kind of kind of enterprise, especially if you're kinda of doing the doing the online thing. Is that meant you've focused you've had to focus primarily on the American the US kind of publishers then?
0: so far i mean there there are a couple of um publishers in europe that i've i've sent stuff to mm-hmm. um i've you know i' actually have one game that's being reviewed by a, a european publisher right now that uh he's supposed to be getting back to me today or tomorrow i think Okay. but uh, okay he's had really positive things to say he's like i want to make sure I give it enough due but you know um don't you know it was one of those conversations where he, he said uh don't sign this without talking to me first uh-huh. i can't make any promises yet but but I'm really impressed with this. You know, don't don't sign it without talking. Yeah, it. yeah. Uh, which was which is cool, uh, and I'm looking forward to hearing from him. But um, yeah, I mean, really, it's it, there's only a couple of publishers in the states that I even I even bother with because I just know that the, the kind of games I'm designing just aren't for most companies.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, is it? Do you still get? Is it still the attraction to stay with the US publishers because of the potential audience reach? Do you think that has, is that a pro to keeping everything and kind of in the US? Because obviously, you're you're you know, we'll look at it this way. My listening figures in the US. Are greatly outnumber the stuff across the rest of the world, but that's only because it's a bigger country with more people in it. So I've got yeah, a just of bigger, more of us you know, here, Exactly, right? there's just like a more of us here. But I'm just wondering if you know, um, it depends. I suppose it depends on on the style of the kind of the style of the game. Um, Absolutely, you know as well, and whether you would have the kind of the the kind of the audience reach kind of kind of going forward.
0: The cool thing about working with Pandasaurus is that. They're very aware of of the international market and the potentials in the international market, mm-hmm. and they were at Essen, showing distributors and and other you know publishers and stuff, uh, Dead Man's Cabal, um, to try to drum up some interest you know overseas, and it was getting some really great feedback and and some really great interest. So I'm really curious to see how it does across the pond, uh, because it, it because it has that like Euro sensibility, mm-hmm. uh, and it may actually do quite well over there. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm yeah. I'm not necessarily tied to the U.S. market. If I can sell to European publishers and, and it'll do well over there, then you know, yeah, yeah, I'm off for that. Yeah.
1: How did the relationship come around with um with *Pandasaurus* and, and *Dead Man's Cabal*? Did you did you go to them with *Dead Man's Cabal* and say, you know, look, here it is. What do you think? Or or had you been chatting to them with you know, kind of for some time? I mean, had you shown them like a head in the clouds, feet in the ground? You know.
0: No, so it's funny that was I I had I saw that they were um taking appointments at Origins. Mm-hmm. And I was going to go to Origins and I wasn't quite sure what I was going to pitch to them, but they seemed like a really interesting company and and I really liked the the look of Wasteland Express uh delivery service, which is just it seemed crazy. And I, you know, I had this game Dead Man at the time it was called Dead Man's Party mm-hmm. and uh it was just really kind of quirky and weird and I wasn't sure if anybody was going to be interested in it cuz it was just a little strange. Um, but I was like, you know what, I'll just show it to them, even though, and I'll just tell them that it's not, I'm not, I wasn't planning on pitching it. I thought it needed maybe some more work, but I was like, I have this meeting. I think this would be a cool game to show them. Let me just go ahead and show them. And then I've, I've, you know, I've gotten a face to face meeting with them. Mm-hmm. We know, let's see what happens. And I showed it to them, and they, they kind of loved it. Uh, and I said, you know, let me think about it. Let me take a couple more months to work on it. Uh, if you guys are interested, you know, let's, let's talk again at Gen Con. So we, Met at GenCon and then they decided they were going to sign it, you know, just a few months later. So it was kind of a random thing. I just knew them by their reputation and the other games they'd put out, but I hadn't really, I hadn't really talked to them at all. Now they're the first company I go to at this point because I feel like they really get what it is I'm doing and and our sense of humor is aligned. Senses of humor <laughs> aligned Yeah.
1: Did I mean how yeah, how you know, how did you feel when you kind of like they said right we want you know we're just going to take this. Based on, uh, you know, based on the fact that, you know, the stuff before was, you know, a little bit, not as, not as big, I would say. Was it kind of like yeah, a validation yeah. well, as was, a game designer, I guess,
0: you know, that you'd present? And sure, yeah. To? I mean, this was a, and this was one of the first games that I was really, I felt very confident and very proud of. Mm-hmm. Like, this was the game I've been wanting to design mm-hmm. for the last couple of years, right? Because I had designed a bunch of other games before that, and they were, they were, they were good, but maybe not great. And, uh... You know, maybe they they felt a little too influenced by games from five or ten years ago um and this one I felt I, I was really proud of and I wanted to make sure it, it found a good home so that you know when they were ready to take it that was great and they uh and I think it was the first time I got an advance for a game as well, which is really exciting um so yeah, no, it was a big deal, and then seeing it up on Kickstarter was even crazier uh just driving it home that it's it's gonna be a real thing you know,
1: but I mean how involved were you? When you're signing over to Pandasaurus, did you were you kind of still staying involved with the rest of the development process? Did they did they have an awful lot to do? I mean, the game that you handed over to them when they signed it for you it, is there a big difference between the final version of the game um, that's going to be going out to say the backers? Um,
0: I'd say it's it's probably eighty five to ninety percent mm-hmm. the same game. All right. Okay. Um, They brought uh, John Gilmore on to do development for it. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And and he made some tweaks, and I was totally on board with those tweaks. And then he added on this whole other kind of secondary economy Mm -hmm. that wasn't there before. And I freaked out because I was like, well, this isn't, I didn't design this. What is this? I I don't know what this is doing. This is weird. (laughs) Turns out it was perfect for what they wanted it to do. Yeah. And I had to kind of come to terms with it. And then once I realized, and it actually made it a little more. Accessible for a slightly lighter. It made the game a little bit lighter because yeah. what I had designed had a bit of a punishing element to it, and that you were spending points in order to do extra actions instead of earning, you know, an extra resource mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in order to take extra actions. Right. So it's just it's a little friendlier now. um But yeah, I mean that's really everything else was just minor adjustments to to the system that I had designed. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah,
1: was it cool to to have somebody like John kind of working on the game? Oh,
0: absolutely. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. no that was great um he was super cool and then you know and it's i I can trust john like he has a reputation in the industry yeah you know he i know he knows what he's doing i could kind of at some point i just kind of backed off and i was like look i'm uh, you know i don't want my ego to get in the way i'm just gonna trust that you guys are gonna handle this and i'll just step back and let me know when it's done
1: yeah yeah i think you have to let kind of let it go at the door 'Cause otherwise yeah, you yeah. start to interfere with a project where they exactly. know they probably you have a vision and sometimes I think um with anything like this, you have to accept that somebody slightly different vision is maybe gonna make things kinda make it work and, and kinda make it be yep. kinda more accessible, which is always which is always kinda cool. Yep. What about um in terms of the Kickstarter and things like that, were you involved in the kind of putting together the campaign or or anything like that kind of helping with writing the copy, building noise, I mean so, anything along those lines.
0: So the campaign the Kickstarter was funny. Um it was it was not originally supposed to go on Kickstarter. It was going to go straight into retail. Mm-hmm. And uh they got the first um samples for the plastic bits and realized they were too small. All oh, right. So uh they went back and said, you know, we got to make these bigger. Uh, they got a revised mold costs and it was about four times what they expected. So Whoa. they're like, well, let's throw this up on Kickstarter, do a pre-order campaign. That way we'll make sure we have the money for the molds mm-hmm. and not, cause I'm, I'm, I'm a gamble, right? Like I'm not a big name designer and, and I understand they didn't want to put out a ton of money, uh, out, up front. And then, you know, if it doesn't go well, that's, that's not good for anybody. So, uh, so they emailed me about a week before they were going to do the Kickstarter campaign. They're like, look, we could either do a Kickstarter, which Mm -hmm. I know you're not crazy about, neither are we, that wasn't the plan in order to get these molds and make sure we can get all the the cool plastic in there, or we could skip the Kickstarter and make it all punch board. And I'm like, well, no, you have to do the Kickstarter. (laughs) We we got to make it look good. Like, uh, and they they said like, you can be involved as little or as much as you want, um, Cause I know this wasn't part of the deal, you know, but whatever, you know, let us know what you want to do. So I was like, well, I don't really want to do anything, but then once it started going, I couldn't help myself. Right. Like you get wrapped up in it. And it's my first big game on Kickstarter. Yeah, absolutely. So I started reaching out to people, you know, friends I have with podcasts and I was like, Hey, if anybody wants to have me on, I can talk about my thing. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, well, then I was, you know, very active in the, in the comments and, and all of that and, and trying to, Keep the hype up.
1: Oh yeah, it's protecting uh, it as well. It's kinda like if somebody's absolutely. asking a question and asking a question, it's like, well, I can wait for with the greatest will for somebody from the Pandasaurus team to kinda like jump in and answer this question or um I can jump in and, and kinda ask answer the question, but I can also add some additional value to the answer that I give right. just to kinda you know, just to kinda confirm that, you know, they're gonna really, really enjoy the game. And I you probably had I take it that you kind of got to experience what it was like being in a kind of the Kickstarter community type thing as well. Which becomes like a miniature community. It's really, really
0: It does, yeah. Kind of strange. You know <laughs> I was pretty involved in the uh I had in the clouds Kickstarter also. Yeah. Um so it was somewhat familiar, but it was a completely different scale. Like that was about a ten thousand dollar Kickstarter, I think. Yeah. Um uh, as opposed to a nearly sixty. Um so it felt very different. Uh, different number of
1: backers, and I think different yeah. different kind of expectation as well. And also, I think, um, I think with something like this, where you've got Pandasaurus that have already successfully created a number of kickstarters before them, you're going to get like returning backers yeah. and things like that. You're going to have people that going to oh, have yeah, kind of certain certain expectations and things like that as well. So well, was that, it kind that's of that's
0: what was crazy was they didn't sorry they um they did not advertise the kickstarter at all there was no buzz they didn't send out any review copies which made me very nervous uh but they basically just relied on their mailing list so their previous backers especially dinosaur island backers and in the first few comments you could see that it was dinosaur island folks who were jumping on they're like i love dinosaur island can't wait for this looks great Mm -hmm. and that started the whole the whole kind of the hype process and then you know they set the goal fairly low so that it would fund quickly and psychologically people want to jump on once they see that it's funded quickly and uh, they managed it really well considering they didn't do any kind of marketing ahead of it
1: yeah but i think um i see that quite a lot now i, I keep mentioning kind of and i'm not getting paid for them paid by them at all but Alicat games um are one of these publishers that kind of seem to be Producing game after game after game They've got a game at the moment, they've got like a chocolate factory Game at the moment that they've got They had Coral, mm-hmm. I think Coral Island or something uh, uh, You know, the la- the other month They had um, Welcome to It wasn't Welcome to, it was a, It was a Roll and kind of uh, Dinosaur Island type game okay. Dino, work, oh, Welcome oh yeah, Di- yeah that Welcome to the... Dino World basically, I think it was um, Yeah, that
0: was the GenCant winner Yeah, it
1: was, yeah, game. yeah, and it had like David yeah, David yeah. tersey from Anachrony <laughs> Kind of involved <laughs> right. in that, and, and I mean, so yeah, so I mean, there's like Pandasaurus seem to be building a reputation for kind of bringing games to Kickstarter. They seem to be good quality games, but not necessarily right. games that fall in the same genre. As in, you know, they did. They obviously did Dinosaur Island, but if you put if you put Wasteland Express delivery service and Machi Coro and Dinosaur Island. Next to each <laughs> other Those are very they're different very, very 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 kind of different <laughs> games So it's almost and a case that you know the guys And it's the same with Alley Cat games I mean they've got as I say, mm-hmm. they've got Like Dice Hospital um, As well which is just a completely Kind of different it's almost like We're not just going to be known for a particular zone genre or style of game We want to be known as somebody right. that takes A genre of game and give it The best kind of lick of paint And game that we can kind of Kind of bring can kind of bring to yourself um
0: and i think i think one of the cool things that pandasaurus does too is they're they're willing to take some risks yes right like the artwork for wasteland express is bonkers and just totally out there oh yeah and and especially for i mean i guess it's it's almost adding like an american sensibility to more european style games right which is kind of what i'm doing as well which is why it's such a good fit for me working with them um but yeah, so I mean, it, it was it was that that's what drew me to them. Like, all of the things they pick are just solid games that do something a little weird, mm-hmm. and and I think that's that's pretty great. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about um, Dead Man's Cabal because I'm I mean, one of the things you've said well the the Kickstarter was to help pay for you know certain costs and things like that that kind of turned up with the campaign, yep. and um, when we were talking originally. Um, you did say that, you know, the game is going to be Kind of available um, Through retail So that, you know, the aim is to have Kind of like the same kind of tail that You know, Magic Oro, Dinosaur Island You know, Wasteland Express all have That they're available to to kind yeah. of buy So, do you want to tell us a little bit About, you know, for everybody who um <sighs> And I was like to say, you know, you can say, "Oh well, for everybody who's been living under a rock," but it's like, well, for everybody, <laughs> maybe for everybody that's gone on Kickstarter and been aware that at any one time there's like about forty projects on Kickstarter. Oh no, it's ridiculous. It's like about yeah. five hundred or something last time I checked, and it's just like you can see. But um, from what I can tell, um, Dead Dead Man's Cabal is my life. Basically, it's my inability to 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 think. At one some point in my life, I'm going to throw a party. And that lots of people are going to turn up. And that probably actually what I'll need to do is I'll need to invent friends <laughs> to have them come <laughs> back. So is that is that the case? I mean, is this basically autobiography of me?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I installed cameras in your house.
1: No. <laughs> I just go on the live feed, you know. It's like, you know, yeah, 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 it's yeah. glitter hour tonight. So, you know, stay tuned. Um, but anyway, uh-huh. as we're saying... <laughs> tell me but please please rescue me <laughs> So what me. what
0: exactly you asking? you you want to know about know what the game's game, about please, is that please yeah rescue me Okay <laughs> Okay so, so uh in Dead Man's Cabal, you are a uh, a lonely necromancer mm-hmm. uh wanting to throw a party mm-hmm. except because you're a necromancer and you know you dig up the dead and you smell kind of bad you don't have any friends So uh so you're deciding to to raise friends from the dead uh to to fill out your party yeah. and uh those these so you're raising you know partiers from different eras, and all the all the character cards have you know different kind of uh, party stereotypes. So you've got like a punk rocker, and you've got a uh, and a flapper, and you know all sorts of stuff. But the way it plays is is you know if you're familiar with uh, Stefan Feld's games, he was a big inspiration for for the gameplay in this games like Trajan, where you've got several different things that you need to coordinate. Yeah uh and kind of like feed into each other and and um if you play the game olm uh the um the kind of main action mechanic uh in dead man's cabal borrowed a bit from this this grid and olm where you have to push things through and mm-hmm. that tells you what you can do on your turn um uh, so you know you've got this grid of skulls and you draw one from the bag and you push it through and then one skull pops out and that goes to your supply yeah. and each of the different skull colors correspond to actions you can take so you're picking an action from what you have in front of you um so you have to you kind of manage your action pool because if you want to do a specific action and you don't have a skull to do it you're out of luck yeah right so okay. you have to manage those okay and then in addition in the grid the the middle column uh whatever the majority of skulls is there it determines uh, an action that everybody's going to do after you do your action Okay. so you also want to manage that and make sure you're not letting somebody do something that's going to kind of hurt you by giving them an advantage right mm. uh and then in addition, those skulls you're getting are also used to cast the spells to summon the uh, the dead. So not only are they for your actions, but they're also a resource to gain points.
1: So it's kind of like a so there's- it's all- mixture resource management action. I mean, it sounds kind of like... Is it... F- is, it, um, is, it is it fairly simplistic to learn? I mean, I've seen... I mean, yeah, you mentioned I mean- Stephen Fell, but I mean, he's famous for kind of like bringing in a mechanic that just runs so smoothly. It's so easy to like kind of right. pick up the game and then run of it. And then you're just learning the intricacies in order to become yeah. strategically better and win. Is that kind of like how you, how you aimed it with Dead Man's Cabal?
0: That's my goal. Yeah. I mean, as a game designer, I've realized what I like to do. I love playing heavier games mm. like Stefan Feld, Vitala Serda, um, Simone Luciani. Like I love playing these really crunchy games that you can get into mm. And then you can play them over and over again and you'll play it a little differently every time and there's all these interweaving systems. And what I like to do is is take games like that that are my inspiration and just make them more accessible and easier for people to, to get into and play. Like I like to be able to teach my game in, in 10 minutes or less and just have you play. Like all of my rules documents when I'm finished designing are like four pages long. So it's just, it's about kind of boiling it down to the essentials, but giving you that same experience in you know an hour rather than like, you know, a two-hour... Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, one of the things that... um, It looks striking in terms of how different it looks from kind of like other games that were kind of kicking about. I mean, that's one of the things that kind of stood out. It made me kind of go back again and again and again, because I was like... Because the first impression that you get when you look at the graphic is is like, is this a dungeon crawler? Because that looks like a kind of a modular a kind of a modular board and then you look at the kind of the the sanctum and it's kind of like that's striking that's striking kind of stuff i mean was that something that when you were developing the game was that i take it did that kind of artwork that call come come later on did you oh yeah yeah?
0: no that was that was fully pandasaurus wow Uh, and and when they first showed me there was no conversation really about what they wanted to do with the art and then they just they picked a couple artists and they got this stuff done and they sent it to me my jaw dropped and i was like this is way beyond anything i would have ever expected like it blew me away so the the board art is all henning ludwigson yeah who had worked for fantasy flight yeah so he's done those kind of dungeon crawl you know kind of things and he just like i i couldn't believe it it's just like the colors are so rich and there's so much detail and like it's insane like you can't really see the amount of detail that are on those boards from the kickstarter but like they sent me the files, and I you could zoom in, and it's it's unbelievable. There's like skulls with party hats and tucked away in corners, and like it's it's unreal. just a nice little kind of uh, Easter
1: eggs. Because the um the the character yeah. art um that looks very Wasteland Express delivery service to me.
0: So yeah, so that's a totally different person. That was uh, Dennis Midry, I think. Mm. Um, from he's a French comic book artist. Uh, I don't know how they found him. Um, but. It's remarkable, and nothing, I haven't seen anything else like that in board games before. Uh, so it's super cool. I, we've gotten a lot of comments that it reminds them of um, the gorillas. The, yes. the band from the early 2000s. Or yeah, you know, uh, yeah. With the kind of the sunken eyes, which is super cool. It is, like, it's um, mega,
1: mega, mega. As I say, it was one of the campaigns that I kind of kept coming back just because as the kind of the stretch goals were kind of unlocked, they kinda of had little kind of yeah. bits of additional art coming up. And I am a bit of a yeah. I'm a total arts kind of sucker. I mean if if a game's got fantastic okay. kind of art then I'm like, yeah, okay. Let's see how we can yeah. get let's see how we can get on with this. Um when the campaign the kind of obviously the campaign kind of finished, the campaign kind of wrapped up. Um with with it kind of not being funding to get, I guess, the whole game kind of done, has that kind of changed where you are in terms of kind of like fulfillment? I mean, are you still going through a massive kind of manufacturing process? Are we still looking at kind of like months and months away before people are going to be getting their hands on a copy of the game?
0: No, actually, uh, the plan was always to have it in retail in June. Right, <laughs> okay. And everything's done like all the art's done the files are prepped like they sent um you know digital proofs out mm-hmm. before we sent with the manufacturer like last week like it's ready to go mm-hmm. so it'll, it'll be in stores and in hands in june like the the plan was always an origins release so that's the other crazy thing about this kickstarter is the turnaround's gonna be super fast because it was always just ready to go it was just let's make sure we have the money to cover the mold costs and then we'll push the button yeah so It's, I mean, as far as I know, it's going out to the manufacturer like in the next couple of weeks.
1: That's kind of impressive for kind of like yourself then, because you'll get known as the guy that kind of did a six month Kickstarter basically.
0: Yeah, right. Three, yeah. Even, what was it? February, March, April, May, June. Yeah. Four months. (laughs) It's going to be nuts. But, you know, we spent the last, we spent the last year and a half, two years uh, in development and making sure it was perfect before it went out. Like it was, it was ready. They were ready to send it to the manufacturer. Like, oh, we need to do a quick (laughs) pre-order, so we make sure we can pay for the the stuff here. So it was ready to go. So yeah, it's it's a strange way to use Kickstarter, but uh, they were so upfront about it um, that like I I have no I have no problem with it.
1: Yeah, I think, um, and that's important as well. I think um, Kickstarter is in a funny place at the moment because there's it's kind of it's got actual pre-orders on there and there's Mm -hmm. kind of still big companies that are using it as essentially a pre-order service and there's Mm -hmm. so many games on there. So it's becoming like a crowded marketplace that it's almost like I've said this before, like the guys that just rock up with an idea just don't seem to begin anywhere. You know, they just, you know, no, they can't, you know, the
0: expectations are too high now. Like it has to be completely polished. I mean, you know, Gil, who's been doing this for a while, uh put up high rise kind of in the middle of, of my campaign mm. and his his there were some issues with with how he put the the campaign together and you know some of his he used a lot of pictures from playtesting with his prototype yeah. stuff and people just didn't they didn't get that it that wasn't the final so he didn't get the traction he was hoping for and had to take it down after a day to kind of retool yeah yeah um and he's like, he was wildly successful with the networks and the expansion for yeah, the networks. Yeah, he was, and, you know, yeah, yeah. So it's not like he's a brand new person, you know, first time yeah, out. Yeah, but it's also not. But it's not like he's not done it before.
1: I mean, it's almost the case like the landscape's completely changing, and, and people are like, "Well, um, so this art's going to get completed?" Yeah, this is just placeholder art at the moment. Why? Why is it placeholder art? Why are we? Right. Why? It's yeah. almost the case of like people are in, kind of insulted that you're asking them to pay. F- help you pay for the art. <laughs>
0: it's yeah. well, well they just don't have they just didn't have the imagination to like to think through what this is gonna be like or the trust, like there's no trust, hmm. I guess, is really what it is. Um uh, and you know, like he was gonna put all this extra plastic in it and the price was really high. So it was a it was a mix of like he was charging ninety dollars. Yeah. And he was showing the prototype art that didn't look like it was worth ninety dollars. Yeah. So it's tough. That's a lot to ask. I think. Yeah, yeah. Of your, of your uh, back. I mean,
1: what about for you then? I mean, in terms of kind of going forward. I mean, um, you've still got the kind of the excitement of the game arriving, the finished, completed product. Yeah. You've then almost got a very, very quick kind of tail that's going to kind of mm-hmm. take effect as well. But have you got another game kind of lined up in the works? Is there something else that's going to be coming out of? You know, your design portfolio over the next couple of years. As I mean, is this something you're not gonna tell us about because you're already speaking at well, Pandasaurus <laughs> about it, but
0: I could talk a little bit. I mean, so I I have another game that's coming out mm-hmm. this year. Okay. Um which has been kind of it hasn't been officially announced, but they've been TMG so TMG is doing let me start over. I designed a roll and write version of Gold West from TMG. Right, okay that uh, I called Rolled West, and I signed it to them, and they've been showing, like, it's been coming back from their mystery package from China videos. So, they've been showing it off, so I feel like I can talk about it. Okay. Um, but that's supposed to be coming out, I think, this spring as well. There's no official release date. Originally, I think they were talking about an Origins release. Right. Um, and they're starting to get manufacturer's proofs back. Um, so, I'm hoping that it's, it's fairly close, uh, and it'll probably be out at Origins also. So, that'll be crazy to have two games debuting at Origins in one year. Um, (laughs) You're just
1: going to be walking about like head held high. Yeah, no, it's going to be a
0: fun con for me. I'm planning on going. Yeah. Um, Just walk around with my games in my hand the whole time. Are you going to be like
1: Carrying some leaflets around a couple of board games, and then keep bumping into people and go, "Oh, i really sorry. did you just pick that up?" Yeah. Oh no, that's a game that you know. Oh, you might have seen that. That's yeah, it's dead. Yeah, it's dead. Man's Cabal. Oh yes, it did get funded on Kickstarter. Oh yes, we did fulfill it after four months. Oh yes, okay. No, that's Road. Yeah, that's Road West. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Tasty Minstrel Games. Yeah, you might have heard of them. You know, is that what you're going to be I'm doing? I'm just
0: gonna. I'm gonna get that all. I'm just gonna be it all printed on a T-shirt, so I don't have to talk to anybody, <laughs> anybody and I can just designer of Dead Man's Cabal on Road West. And I'll just walk around on the floor.
1: On a people come Please up to don't talk yeah, exactly. to me. Yeah. you have
0: bouncers and stuff like uh, that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm planning on hiring a couple of people, one in front, one behind, just to, like, you Give know. Give you space. Yeah, exactly. Make room coming through. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. Uh, no, no, it's it's going to be crazy. I'm going to, I don't know. It's bananas. Yeah. And then I have, you know, I signed another game, uh, my game Astrolabe. Uh, yes. Which I was working on this year, and that that's looking like it's going to come out around the same time next year um and about you know i've got another couple things i'm working on now i um i've got a couple games that are out being reviewed by publishers at the moment i've got another small two-player asymmetrical game that i'm working on at the moment uh that was actually on my shelf for like a year that i kind of put away because i got stuck with it and i decided to pull it out again um so i've always got something i'm working on so how i mean but yeah next next couple years could be interesting where are you
1: in terms of are you still working as in a job job kind of thing, or are you pretty much to the point where you're kind of like, well, you know I'm just designing some games I'm going to get out of bed, <laughs> I'm going to design some games, and then I'm going to play test some games, and then I'm going to have some coffee, because I need coffee and then I'm going to play some more games But or are you still kind of like 9 to 5 in it, and then running this as a very, very serious hobby
0: So it's a kind of a combination uh-huh. um, I'm not making a living designing games like, let's be clear yeah like that's that's real hard um but i'm also not i'm not working a nine-to-five job at the moment um my wife actually does pretty well uh to the point where i don't really need to work um and i'm oh, i'm taking okay. i'm doing the stay-at-home dad thing so I, I pick up my son i drop him off in the morning yeah. and i pick him up in the afternoons most days um and then i do the design stuff you know i play tests twice a week yeah. and then um i've actually started picking up some work demoing for a company uh at conventions oh cool okay um which is pretty cool and, and they they're paying for my travel and hotel and, and an hourly rate while I'm there so that's kind of neat. That's good. Uh, and then it just gets me into shows that I wouldn't otherwise go to mm-hmm. which is you know it's great just for networking and, and seeing folks I don't get to see very often. Mm-hmm. Um, So yeah it's kind of I'm piecing things together. I've done some light graphic design work for people here and there just to kind of keep myself busy. Yeah. Um, but yeah I'm in a lucky position that I don't really need to work at the moment. Um. That, you know, I'm aware of how lucky I am that, that that's a possibility. And I'm trying to take advantage of it as much as I can. Yeah.
1: And where are you with kind of like reviews for Dead Man's Cabal? I mean, are there people? I mean, there's obviously some some stuff on the Kickstarter campaign, but is that something you you guys are now actively going to have to look at, or is it something you're already kind of well on top of before the kind of the retail type release?
0: Um, I don't think we have. Review copies to send out yet. I think it's it's all going to be once once the game's in retail. I'm mm. sure people will, will request them. That's that's 100 a publisher thing that I'm not I'm not really involved with at all. Right. Okay. Um, so I haven't I haven't really asked them about it. You know, with, with the the podcast stuff, they're like, do as much or as little as you want. We don't expect you to to promote your own stuff. Uh, but if you want to do right. it, go for it. <laughs> cool. Uh, so I just I trust them to do their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Well, it sounds like you're a kind of like you're in an
1: interesting place, kind of at the moment in terms of where you are in terms of the design, and kind of what you've got kind of coming up in the future. Um, mm-hmm. I guess you know the question is, is that if for whatever reason Pandasaurus say okay, Dead Man's Cabal has sold. So many copies, I can't. We're going for our fifth reprinting now, it's just flying out the door. And to reward you, we are basically gonna buy you any three board games that you want. <laughs> okay, uh, sure. What board games, what three would you like? Now, they can be anything first edition, second editions, You can have as many expansions as you want, you know. Pandasaurus they're they're sitting round. You know John Gilmore he's sitting there he's grinning away and he's saying whatever you want you can have. What three games would you have Daniel? Um,
0: oh, that's a good question. Let me so I have I keep a wish list mm-hmm. on my on on BGG. Let me just pull Oh, it. that's Gian. Cuz I can't remember these that's things. That's Gian. Come on. Cheat. Uh GN. I'm cheat. I'm going to cheat. That's It's fine. I've earned I've earned it. Cheat. Uh okay. All right. So I'm just looking Okay, so uh, Ginkopolis is probably one one of those three, uh, which is super hard to find. It's been out of print for ages. I think since it came out in 2012, right? Yeah. Um, I've been able to play it a couple times. Super cool. I would love to have a copy of that. Beyond that, th- there isn't a ton. I-, I have most of what I want at this point. There are a couple of newer games that just came out um, that aren't available in the United States um, that I... One of them I played at BGG and it's fantastic and if I wanted to buy it it would have cost me like $140 and I was not interested in it. And what was that? Um, smartphone Inc.
1: <laughs> you need to have a word with um, Mike DeLisio of Solo Mode Games because he he recently told a tale and you can listen to I think it's one of the recent episodes of Sporadically Bored which him and Dan Hughes are on and he um, okay. he spoke about the tale of tracking down a copy of Smartphone yeah. ink and basically having to yeah. trade like several games plus, I, I plus some money. Plus, he's like, this is, you know, do you like this wristwatch? <laughs> it's like <laughs> you know <laughs> what else can it's I a do? casio how can i get you in this car <laughs> you know uh
0: yeah so i got to play it at bgg yeah. and it was fantastic and then i heard how much it was and how hard it was to get yeah. and i was like okay well i'm hoping for a reprint <laughs> and i did hear a rumor that they're working on working on a uh some u.s distribution so i'm crossing my fingers well i
1: problem. i start i started that rumor because i thought it'd be an evil thing do. so nah, 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 nah. Okay. um
0: song.
1: third third game <laughs>
0: <laughs> third game uh this is a difficult one okay. everything else is easy so i know first two are easy mm-hmm. so there are a couple i think i'm going to go with billabong okay it is a it it's a kind of an abstract game from 1995 uh where you are playing um every every, every player has a team of kangaroos uh and you can only move by kind of slingshotting around other kangaroos. Uh, you're trying to go in a circle and there's a little pond in the middle. And so if, if there's a kangaroo that's exactly five spaces away from you, then you can jump five spaces in front of it. All right. Okay. And you're just trying to move your, your way around this circle, uh, by hopping, you know, around. And it's, it sounds dreadful, uh, but it's amazing fun. Uh, i played it at actually a bgg a couple of years ago because they they have a really great library with a bunch of old out of print games um so finding a copy of that would be would be pretty amazing that one's, that one's pretty tough <laughs> excellent so billabong that's that's for number three
1: I'll, I'll i'll maybe see if um, mike Delissio can kind of lend you um smartphone Then <laughs> you've never Okay, yeah, but it's never, it's not, yeah, sure. never, ever, no, that's never, not gonna, it's happen. Not gonna no. happen. It's not gonna happen. No. However, if he was gonna get in contact you with you to kind of discuss how many bars of gold it would take to pry it out <laughs> of his hands, where can we find yeah. you on the interweb nets, Mister Newman?
0: I mean, the best way is Twitter, okay? Because I I live there, uh, okay. Especially since I'm at home all day, I'm just on Twitter all day long uh i pay rent to twitter now uh but that's it's at d n l n w m n that's my name without vowels i was gonna say my kingdom
1: for a vowel but you know obviously you ruined that joke
0: i mean you know yeah i'm sorry you want to take it again should we no 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 it's fine no no i'm not gonna
1: no don't edit
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh then my kid will be on the show that's fine you know it's always good okay no um (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, the Daniel Newman is a very common name in the United States. Oh. Uh, I think there are three or four of them in Brooklyn, New York. Really? Uh, in fact, there was one who had a law office about three blocks from my house a couple houses ago. No way. Uh, Has he published the yeah, so game? Uh, Daniel Newman up on the... I don't, I don't think so. I may be the only Daniel Newman game designer. You
1: better watch out. There's not inspired, some you know. kind of strange dodgy guy walking around kind of Gen... Origins and, that, and Gen Con and stuff later yeah. on in the year kind of claiming... You know, getting all free
0: stuff. <laughs> he's got a copy smart yeah. wearing wearing the T shirt. Yeah, he's probably wearing the T shirt. Copy a says...
1: smartphone under his arm because somebody no, ran no. up and says, oh, "I listened to you on the We're Not Wizards podcast. I heard you loved smartphone, and I've got five copies, which I just needed to give you because I played Dead Man's Cabal and I loved it. <laughs> so there you go. You can have that." And he's just like, "Yeah, oh no, rocking it." Yeah, all right. So Twitter. Uh,
0: there are there are two actors named Daniel Newman uh, that I've got an email for. Uh, from people who are very confused, really. Uh, so that's yeah. If yeah, you
1: want to, if cool. you want to ever have a laugh, look up. There's a retail store in the UK called John Lewis, um, and the John Lewis Twitter handle is owned by some guy in I think he's Virginia or something like that. Oh, no. So every time over here, John Lewis do a big mad Christmas advert, and so this guy has become this famous. Poor guy gets every, that's every so funny. he gets added at to the moon back. So that's quite good. Um. Where else can we find you? Does Dead Man's Cabal have a website? Or you suppose Pandasaurus will have a website?
0: Yeah, I think you can. You can see it at Pandasaurus's uh, Pandasaurus dot awesome. I believe cool. they probably have pre order link up there. Cool. Um, and wherever fine games are sold, it should be in, <laughs> in retail everywhere, as far as I know. Fantastic,
1: fantastic. What we'll do is we will um, we'll put the links in the show notes so that we have notes to show. Um, thank you very much for coming on.
0: Yeah, it was it was fabulous. This has this me.
1: been a this has been a lot of fun. Um if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, then please go to the internet webs and search for We're Not Wizards. And you can find us on Twitter, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on our website which is We're not Wizards.com, you can find us on Instagram, you can find us on our blog which is We're not Wizards.blogspot.com. You can email us which is magic at we are not wizards.com. Yes I am aware of the irony of the email address That's why I chose it <laughs> um, You can find us on all these lovely Podcast catchers like Stitcher And Spreaker And, I, and uh, Castbox and They're all called Cast, they're all called Box They're all called something else, I don't know It's all various confusing things But you can find us on various podcast catchers of choice um, If you have listened along tonight And um, well there's two things you can do If you've enjoyed what you've listened to The first thing, go and tell somebody because it helps the podcast grow. The other thing you can do is you can go to Apple Podcasts and you can drop us a subscription, or you can give us a review, or I, you can give. Ooh,
0: a, ooh, can I? Can I give you ten stars?
1: Um, I wouldn't give us ten stars because that makes us big-headed. Um, but at the same time, because okay,
0: I don't want to give you, I don't want to give you no, one star either, no, because that
1: will make me cry. You want to give us something in the middle, right. like a. Like a oh, like five yeah. five stars yeah, is like, good because you know oh okay it's just a bit average you know and because you know we're just yeah. a little yeah. bit average that seems reasonable. But <laughs> Bless you, sir. But the person who's not <laughs> been average—I've <laughs> listened a couple. You times. have listened a couple. At least you've listened. At least I get some <laughs> people that come on and go. I've not listened to the show. I just, I just, <laughs> I just want to use you for your listeners. Thank you. Um, yeah. But the person who's not been average tonight—rather wonderful, rather fantastic—the man who, if he had a party, then. If you invited everyone you knew you would see oh. the greatest gift would be from me and the card attached. What would is say, the card attached? It would say thank you for being a friend.
0: It's oh, right, right. It's- Which is hilarious i 'cause I'm I'm currently doing a Golden Girls puzzle <laughs> uh in 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 my living, in my dining room right now. <laughs> We're about halfway through it.
1: That's so good. Um Yeah, we
0: got the border done.
1: That sounds amazing. <laughs> um but the person yeah, it's who's not been average tonight is The wonderful, fantastic Mr. Daniel Newman Thank you very, very much for coming on There's only two more things to do First thing, remember We're many things But we're not wizards Are we wizards, Daniel? No, we are not wizards wizards. And the second thing is to say goodbye So it's a goodbye from Daniel, say goodbye Daniel Goodbye Daniel Uh, Every single (laughs) time And it's a goodbye from me, remember Stay safe Roll sixes, and you know it's all right to sometimes have try and have a get together. Um, it's definitely all right to maybe be a bit sad if not as many people turn up as you thought. Is it's probably not all right to summon the dead (laughs) as guests. No, I do not recommend. But if you do fancy um doing that, you know, three four months time, well, probably actually four months time, Dead Man's Cabal will be ready to buy and ready to play and ready to enjoy. But until then, goodbye A wizard is never late.